0: Welcome to Slate Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to at slatechurch.com. It's great, it's great you enjoying the November? We're headed into the Christmas season. Oh, the best time of year. Really the most wonderful time of the year. It truly is. Tomorrow, if you haven't seen the forecast, I'm just going to give you the heads up, like five to ten centimeters of snow throughout the day. So if your snow tires are not on, this is like adulting full tail. If your snow tires aren't on, get them on, okay? This is what's on top of my mind. This is what's happening in my life right now but but we're ready for it right we're feeling good get your shovels out it's going to be great i love it when it snows before christmas because then it really feels like christmas that's when the christmas music actually fits you're you're like this makes sense to me that it's actually christmas time with the snow it's wonderful embrace it let's love it we'll complain about it in february but for now we're going to celebrate it and post about it on instagram and all those good things Does that sound good yeah. awesome all right. Well, I'm going to jump right in today. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Joshua. Joshua is in the Old Testament. It's right after Deuteronomy, and we're going to be starting in chapter 1, verse 1. And if you've got your Bible digitally on your phone, you can go to the New Living Translation. That's an extra little bonus for having it on your phone. You know, the, the, the real physical copy, Luke, this is good. This is Luke's Bible because I didn't bring my Bible. Mine's on my computer. It's good, but you can actually choose your version on your phone. So I I lean that way. But it's also going to be on the screen behind me, so that's all going to be great. Joshua, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and said this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Jesus, I I thank you that we get to be here, that we get to gather together and worship you and look to you. And I pray that you would speak through me this evening, God, uh, in a powerful way, Lord. Do what only you can do in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, this week we had an exciting week in our house. Uh, Little Theo, our middle child, uh, our only boy, only son, he turned two years old on Thursday. And it's just wild to think about that. We, We ended up on that day. Every year we go to the Royal Winter Fair and we ended up going on his birthday. And now Kenzie's like, wow, I, I can't wait to see what's coming for my birthday. If This is now the standard, so I think we made a mistake with that. But we had a great day. We had a great day celebrating, and yesterday we had a whole bunch of family over and kind of got everyone together, put up the Paw Patrol balloons, pulled out the table, like the Paw Patrol tablecloth. That was the theme of the birthday. It was a lot of Paw Patrol, a lot of Paw Patrol gifts. That's the, the fun part. He moved into a big boy bed and all of these things, all this crazy stuff that happens when kids turned two, I guess. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great. He had a great time. He's just the sweetest. He's so fun. He's so awesome. I love him a lot. And I was reminiscing last night as uh, as typically, really all week, um, typically you do, I guess, on your kids' birthdays. And I was thinking about when he was born. I was thinking about that time. My mom always did this. She always tells me, I woke up with so much energy and there you came. And, uh, and so I was reminiscing on, on Theo being born and And I remember that year, we, uh, two years ago, we actually set up our Christmas tree on November 6th. His birthday is November 7th, okay? We set up our Christmas tree, and we were, I was feeling uh, uh, ready to go for the Christmas season I'm like, I don't want to do this with a newborn baby. That's going to be We're going to do this. We're going to set it up. So we got it set up. And, I was kind of feeling off. I'd had some contractions, and that's letting you know, you know, labor is kind of, the baby is on its, on its way pretty soon. And, and all of a sudden, it was getting worse. But listen, when I go into labor, I don't want anyone to know, all right? I don't want anyone to know. This is like, it's like top secret. I'm like, this is not actually happening right now. And so we're going to pretend that it's not. I just don't want to be wrong. I don't know what it's about. I don't, I don't want anyone to know. So that night, we were having a leadership meeting, and I'm like, Brandon, it's fine. It's fine. Contractions are coming literally every six minutes. I'm like, it's completely fine. This is just a false alarm. Nothing is happening. This is not, he's not coming tonight. We're a few days early. It's not going to keep, have the meeting. Don't tell anyone that I'm having contractions. Like, let them know I'm tired. I mean, I can get that. I can get away with being tired when I'm that pregnant. I'm just a little bit tired. I'm just going to stay upstairs and in our little, like, loft bedroom that was above the garage at the time. And you guys go to the basement and no one has to know. So there I am watching friends on on Netflix and, like, tracking contractions and dying of pain and getting more and more and more angry as, as the night goes on. I'm like, why is this meeting taking so long? Like, what is? It? When do I go to the hospital? I should know this. I've already had a baby. Should this not be obvious? I need an instruction manual. I'm trying to figure this out. And then I, I, as we do, I think sometimes if you're married in this place, we kind of project our anger and frustration to someone else, right? We can't control, but we can project to somebody. Else. So then I'm getting angry at Brandon. I'm like, where is he? Why isn't he up here? Meanwhile, I told him to have the meeting. I'm like, what is going on? This going lady comes upstairs. I'm just so frustrated. I'm like, when do we know that it's time to go to the hospital? And I was just so upset. And I remember getting out of the bed and my water breaks. And I go from anger to, like, laughing hysterically. It was the funniest moment of my life. And I don't know if Josh Legacy is here, but that's probably too much information because that's now your bedroom because you read that... rent that house from us now but I was just dying I was dying I was laughing so hard and I was like yes now I finally know that I need to go to the hospital and we we took off and uh Luke Victoria actually stayed and watched uh Kenzie who was sleeping totally didn't know anything was happening Tim and Julia came over they stayed at our house watched her it was a production it was fun we went baby came all is good he's two years old now it's kind of crazy how that tends to happen. But, you know, I was reflecting on this and thinking about this and thinking of sometimes in life, we want to know what our next step is. Have you ever felt this where you're just like, I just want to know what my next When do I move, God? When do I go? What do I do? Where do I head? What what happens next? And we just want something to happen, our water to break, so to speak, so that we know that now it's time to go. Now it's time to actually go and head to the hospital, go to the next Step The next thing that we need to do in life. And we want to make sure that we walk into our next step well. We want to be present in the now, but also we need to recognize that God is taking us places, that this journey of faith is a journey. It actually requires movement from us. And, you know, when it comes to next steps, I'm not even necessarily just talking about massive things. I'm not even necessarily talking about the the idea of should we have a baby or not or should we move or should I take this job and these massive pinnacle next steps. Really, those don't happen that often in life. Those massive next steps don't always happen. We think about them a lot, but they're not happening every day. Sometimes it's just, okay, God, how do I take this next step into deepening my faith? How do I take this next step into living more joyfully? How do I take this next step in my prayer life, in my relationship with you, my relationship with others? What is my next step? You know, we find Joshua here just about to take his next step. He's been preparing for it for a long time. This is one of those big pinnacle next steps. At the end of Deuteronomy, the book that comes right before Joshua, we see the death of Moses. And Moses was the one who led the, led the Israelites out of Egypt and into the desert and through a, a variety of different events and, and disobedience and different things. wasn't able to enter the promised land. God took him up the side of a mountain and he was able to see the promised land, but he never entered it before he died. and, and Joshua rises up at this point. He's been under uh, Moses as his assistant and, and God is speaking to him and saying, okay, the promise that I gave Moses, I am now giving to you. The, the, the The promise of the promised land stepping into that I'm now asking you to fulfill this is your next step so to speak in verse 2 God says the time has come and God gives him the same promise that he gave Moses wherever you set your foot you will be on the land that I have given you anywhere you go everywhere you see you are going to take that land and it is yours God gives him a very big promise A very big, everything you see, all of this land, everything that you step before, as far east, as far west, north, south, all of it, it's yours. I'll be with you. There's some big giants. There's some big things that you're going to come across. There's some big things that are going to stand in your way. But I will be with you. So there's this big promise and this declaration that God is with him. It says be strong. Be courageous. God is with you. And we like this part. As, as Christ followers, we actually like this part. We like the big promise. When we talk about things that God has placed on our heart and things that we are going to step into and things that God has maybe promised to us and we can lean on and look to, we like that part. We're like, okay, God, I can take that. I can handle that. Every, you're going to give me all of that. You're going to do all of this. You're going to be good in all of these ways. I can take that. I'll receive that. Thank you for that. And then God tells Moses to be strong and courageous and then to be strong and very courageous. And we're like, okay, I can do that too. If I just muster up enough strength and I muster up enough courage, then I'll be able to step into the promises that you have for me. And and some of us actually operate in the long term with this equation. Okay, God, you've promised this. You've said this. You've shown me this. So therefore, I'm going to muster up enough courage and enough strength that I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be courageous so that I can step into the promised land, That you, have, so I can take my next step. And sometimes we just try to come to church every Sunday and we're like, okay, if I just worship loud enough, if I just jump high enough, if I just take enough notes, if I'm just present enough here, well, therefore, I'm going to feel strong and courageous enough to be able to step into what God has for me next. But then we start to wonder, why is this fading? Why is this not enduring? Why am I not able to continue to step into the next thing God has for me? Why am I plateauing here? Why is this? And we just run back to church again, and we try to fill up again. And maybe if I just muster it up enough, and okay, today I'm going to be strong. Today I'm going to be courageous. Maybe then this will be lasting, that I can step into the promises God has for us. You see, the danger of Christianity today is that we can become so shallow in our relationship with God. We can come to church, we can talk about God, we can know about God, but never really have relationship with God. If we're going to be effective as Christians, we cannot lack discipline in our lives. We can't lack discipline. And if you're taking notes this evening, you can write down this title. It's The Depth of Discipline. The Depth of Discipline. You see, there is power in cultivating a life of spiritual discipline. There is something deep about cultivating a life of discipline. And this is actually what we are called to do as Christians. We need to be disciplined. We need to make sure that we are taking the time and actually being disciplined in our walk with God. I don't know if there's any students in this place right now. Maybe you're you're a student, maybe you have been a student, maybe you're a student right now and you're like, yep, I know that stress. I, I'm a student right now. Maybe you were a student like 40 years ago, but could you just picture a time when you were a student? High school, university, college, doesn't matter. Picture yourself as a student. All right. Some of you are like, this is a bad memory. This is not, I don't like that version of myself. But, you know, I I was a student for a long time, obviously high school and then university and then did more uh, schooling after that. And I was a student for a long time. And I noticed something about students. And it's this. It's that there are different types of studying and studiers, you could say that exist as students, all right? Most, most schools, most programs, you learn something and then you're tested on that something. You learn something, then you have an exam to test you on. it. And it seems a little dumb, really, when you look at, at testing and the way that's done in the real world and all the rest. I get it, it sucks, it's, it's not good, but this is the, the world we live in, okay? We pay to, to get stressed in hopes of getting the great job. <laughs> But listen, there's different types of studying that takes place. You have the people that are like the diligent rewriters, right? The people that rewrite every single note, every slide, they pull it all together, they write it, and their wrist hurts, and their hand, they get like blisters on their hands, this was me, okay. I had bliss, like open wounds from the rewriting. It was a little insane, and and people are like, that is nuts, and it is nuts. I was crazy, okay. I'm being delivered day by day, but uh, uh, just writing their notes and studying and memorizing and memorizing and memorizing and like can actually visualize the page because you've spent so much time looking at it. When you get to the question on the exam, it's an intense form of studying. Then you have the people who study where it's like, I'll just skim over my notes. I'll just take a quick breeze through and and look through it and and sometimes they do quite well and you're like I hate you you're not <laughs> A little bit of anger, (laughs) a little bit of anger there. You have the group studiers, the people who are like, let's get together, we'll do flashcards and we'll just write it out, we'll ask each other, we'll quiz each other questions. You have the people that kind of fall somewhere in between where they're like, I'm just going to go over the notes, I'm going to be confident going into this, Uh, mind over matter, I'm just going to walk in, it'll be fine. You have like the crammers that like sit outside the exam room for like two hours before the exam, like white knuckled on their pages, like trying to cram it all in and hope that they're looking at the right page and that they're actually not going to fail the exam that's happening, and you have the people there are just like, well, we'll just see what happens. It's a, we'll just see. It, it doesn't really matter. i will just, just see what happens. And you know what? There's not necessarily one right or wrong way to study, right? There's, there's not necessarily the best way or the wrong way. You kind of have to figure out what works for you, what works for your situation, your studying, your program, all of these different things. But there's all these different kinds of studiers. But, but one thing I learned about studying is that memorizing And learning are two different things, right? Memorizing and learning are two very different things. I I was a very good student. I was a very good student in school. I loved school. It was great the whole time. I really enjoyed it, but I was also very good at memorizing. I figured out the formula of school and I plugged myself into the formula and it worked well and I could memorize things and I could bring information back up to mind. I could do very well when it came to tests. I could memorize. If you ask me that information now, it might be a different story, right? Because memorization really lasts while you need it to, and then it kind of filters away. and You don't actually hold on to all that. I, I might be able to, to bring up some of it, but I, I probably would want to refer back to notes and refer back to different things. Because I memorized a lot of information as a student. But it's very different uh, when it comes to, say, Brandon. Brandon was also a very good student. Good student in university, specifically. Uh, also a really good student. But the difference was is that Brandon's actually very good at learning. He's not good at just, like, reading and memorizing and looking at it for the moment and then having it be gone. Brandon's actually very good at learning. Most of the things that he would have learned in university or learned since university, if you asked him about it, he could actually tell you something about it. He could actually have an intelligent conversation with you because he actually learned the information. You could ask most—people ask me theology questions all the time. I can give you a little bit of conversation around that, the rest of it. But I often will defer to Brandon. I'll be like— Go talk to Brandon because he will actually know what he's talking about because he really learned it. There's a difference between memorization and learning it. And if we're going to cultivate discipline in our lives as Christians, one of the disciplines we need to cultivate is the discipline of study, of good studying, of true learning, deep learning. We need to discipline ourselves in the act of study if we are going to be prepared to take the next step as believers. In verse 7 and 8 of Joshua chapter 1, it says, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate it day and night. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God is saying to him, don't just act. Don't just get yourself to a point of feeling strong and feeling courageous, and then go out and expect that you're going to actually take out all of the enemies, all of, the, all of the, the territory that I've given you. Don't just expect that if you feel strong and you feel courageous, you're going to be successful. God is saying, read the book of instructions that Moses has gave, given you even further. Study it day and night. Then, only then, will you be prosperous and succeed in all you do. Listen church, we have a book of instruction. It's called the Bible. We have a book of instruction. It has the stories and life of Jesus. It tells us about the church. It it, it points a direction for us. We are not lost. We have this book. The Holy Spirit speaks through these words. It says in the Bible that God's word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive in our lives. The Holy Spirit speaks through it. But are we even reading it to know what he is saying to us? You know, sometimes we underestimate the power of God's word in our lives and the discipline of studying. We just want this equation. We just want, we just want to know the promise, feel strong, feel courageous by coming to church and getting high and feeling good, and go out and do it. And then we just kind of repeat, and we repeat, and we repeat. And I believe that God is saying to us, church, that we need to start being disciplined in our study. We actually need to be disciplined and committed in our lives. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all the wisdom. But you do need to be committed to being teachable, to actually doing the work, to studying and knowing what your next move is. You know, a lot of us are lost in this place as to what to do next. What is our next move? What is the next thing that we do? What is our next step? But Psalm 119 verse 105 says, God's word is a lamp onto my feet and a light onto my path. It's his word. That's where you're going to find the wisdom. That's where you're going to find the answers. That's where you're going to find the next step. You know, some of us pick it up once in a while and assume that we should know what God is saying to us. But we need to be diligent here we don't always like this. We don't always feel like we should do that. It's like, well, I don't know about rules. Is that a rule that I have to follow? I don't know if that's the message of of God's grace that that he he takes care of that and he forgives my shortcomings. And I don't know about that idea. But listen, Joshua didn't have to read the book. He didn't have to read the instructions. He didn't have to meditate on it. He didn't have to have that as part of his life. But God said, only then will you prosper. I have this promise for you, but only if you actually are disciplined in study will you prosper. Some of us are like, why aren't I prospering, God? Are you reading? Are you disciplined? Are you seeking God's wisdom? Are you hearing from him through his word? Only then. C.S. Lewis says, we come to scripture not to learn a subject, but to steep ourselves in a person. We need to understand if we're going to live like Christ, we need to understand who Christ is. We need to understand who he is and his character. We need to sit in who God is, who Jesus is, what he's done for us. This is where revelation is going to come, in the discipline of scripture. But there's another discipline that we need to have in our lives. In verse 6, it says, you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. You know, we need the discipline of study, but we also need the discipline of action. You are the one who will lead these people. We need to be diligent in listening to God to know what he has asked us to do. Here God is saying to Joshua, okay, here you go. You've spent time in training. You know the plan. You are going to now step into action and go into the promised land. I'm not expecting you just to sit outside the promised land and study the word. I actually need you to go in to the promised land and actually lead these people, we need to act as Christians. It's not enough to come to church, to study the word, to just go on about our lives, being consumed with just what is happening and what's coming up at any given time. We need to actually see what God is asking us to do. What is God asking you to do? Dallas Willard says this, The general human failing is to want what is right and important. But at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. We need to have the discipline of action. Studying with no output is actually a means to an end. You know, a few months ago, we got um, gym memberships at, at uh, with Brandon and I, Luke, Victoria with church. We got some gym memberships, and we're like, "We're gonna get healthy." I'm like, "I'm doing this." I'm gonna. But with the gym membership came a fitness consultation, and what this basically is is an opportunity. To meet with a personal trainer, it's like, great, personal training, this is great. It's really an opportunity for them to, like, sell personal training to you, right? Like, they want you to get the the package, and this is great for some people. This is wonderful. This is not great for me. This is not great for my bank account, the idea of personal training, but I was like, I am going to go to this fitness consultation, just see what they have to say. I'm like, what could I pull? What little tidbits could I get out of this that's going to help my health and fitness overall? So I went to this fitness consultation, met this person. I was like, okay, great. Went into this little office and, and I stood on this machine. that It's not new technology, certainly not, but uh, it blew my mind, all right? So I stood on this machine, told me how much I weighed which is always a scary thing to look at, right? It's like, okay, my weight... And then it printed out all these other numbers that I didn't even know could be known through my feet. And it was like my body fat percentage and like calorie intake and all these other things that didn't make any sense on this like little slip of like paper. I was like, this is great. I get like a takeaway. I get like a takeaway from this, from that he like put it in the, in the uh, documents and was hiding it away. I was like, I'm taking a picture of that before I go. So I at least get some something out of this. Uh, But we sat there. So I went on this machine and then I sat down and he asked me a lot of questions. He's like, how is your food? Do you like this? What do you do for working out? What are all of your goals? And he's just writing it down. I was the most interesting person in the world there. He was just writing everything down. I felt like I had had, like, a therapy session with this personal trainer. I'm like, this, this is everything about me. This is everything that you need to know. And we talked through some things, and we are going through it and all the rest of it, and he showed me all the packages of personal training and the different options and the things. I'm like, oh, this is nice. This is great. I didn't know I needed this, but now I, I think I might need this. And, and, and looking through, and I was totally caught up in it and whatever. And he said, all right, now we're going to go out there and actually, like, do a fitness, like do a workout routine. And that's where everything kind of changes, right? I think everyone remembers my step story a few weeks ago, whatever. But that went, it went fine. It was good. It wasn't too challenging and all the rest of it. But, but listen, I could sit in that room for hours with that personal trainer. I could sign up for the package. I could come to see him three times a week, and I could sit in that room and talk to him. I could stand up on that scale for, for days on end. I could chat about my fitness goals. I could talk about my uh, nutrition plan. I could go through every single package that was there. I could talk to other people at the gym. I could be like, come on in here, check out this package, check out this fitness thing. Why don't you stand on the scale, and we could have a great old merry time, and it would be wonderful. But nothing would change. Nothing would actually change because I'm not actually doing anything. I'm sitting in a room talking about fitness. I'm sitting in a room talking about nutrition, but I actually have to take the step out of the office and onto the big floor and, and actually like move ropes with my arms if I'm going to change anything. Like that's what has to happen. We actually have to act. There is a discipline of action if we're going to see actual change. It's not enough just to come to church. It's not enough just to receive the promise. It's not enough just to get hyped up. It's not enough just to feel strong and courageous. We actually need a discipline of saying, I'm intentionally going to act in my life if I'm actually going to see what God has for me come to fruition. Joshua needed to lead the people into the promised land. He was called to lead. But listen, it is so important that we don't have the discipline of action without the discipline of study. And on the flip side, it is so important that we don't have the discipline of study without the discipline of action. You see, on one side of the scale over here where we just have the discipline of study, what we find is something called obese Christianity. It's just this constant intaking of information. Maybe you're studying a lot of theology lately, reading a lot of theologians and different philosophers and different books. And maybe you have podcasts going or you're learning from some great people. Or maybe you're in school for this and you're just taking it in. You're listening to sermons. You're coming to every single service. You're worshiping. You are spending time with God. You are reading your word. You are so disciplined and so diligent. But really, you're over here just getting fat. Because you're just consuming without actually acting it out. You have the discipline of study, but you don't have the discipline of action. You're just an obese Christian. On the other side of the scale, we have something that is called being skinny fat. Being skinny fat, this is the side of it where you have the discipline of action. On the outside, you are actually looking great. You are serving at church. You are doing things for your community. You are loving people around you. You know everybody's birthday. You call them on their birthday. You are so great at acting it out. But on the inside, your organs are actually failing you because you are skinny fat. You actually look great on the outside, but your organs are failing you on the inside because you don't even know your identity in Christ. And over here, when the difficulty arises, when disaster strikes, when you find yourself in the crisis, you're going, God, I, do you even exist? Why am I doing all of this? I have no revelation of who you are, who I am in you. Either end of this spectrum is a dangerous place to live, and yet so often we do this. We need the discipline of study, and we need the discipline of action, but we also need a third discipline, and this is the discipline of trust. The discipline of trust. You know, God is saying to Joshua that he is going to take a lot of land. But with that comes defeating a lot of giants. In verse 5, God asks Joshua to trust him. He says, I will not fail you or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. And basically that's God saying, will you trust me? Will you trust that I will not fail you? Will you trust that I will not abandon you? There are giants across this whole land. There are armies that are bigger than yours. There are situations you are going to face that don't look so good on the outside. You're going to go in and you might feel afraid. You might feel uncertain. You might be doubting. But will you trust me, Joshua, when I tell you that I will not fail you and I will not abandon you? That's not always an easy thing to do. There's a decision point where Joshua has to jump in with both feet and start leading millions of people to a destination that God has promised. This is a massive act of trust. And I wonder today, do you know that God is with you? He wasn't just with Joshua as he set out to take on the promised land. It's not an instance in Scripture where we just need to look at the context and be like, okay, well, God was with Joshua there, but, you know, you feel very distant from me, God, here in my situation the 21st century, so that must have just been for Joshua and not for me. And we start to count ourselves that this is not an instance in Scripture that's contextual to this point. This is a promise that we can hold on to as Christ's followers. Psalm 145, 18 to 19 says, The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth, he grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. You're not counted out of that. God is with you doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God is still with you. He cry, He goes to those who cry to. Matthew 1, to 23. We're reading in scripture where, where Mary is found out. She's pregnant and she's told Joseph and he's like, whoa, I don't really get that. It, do, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, like we haven't slept together, so I don't know how this is possible. And an angel has come to Joseph in a dream and said, what she said is true. She hasn't cheated on you. You don't need to break up with her. You don't... Go with her. It is the savior of the world. That's the truth. And it says this, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, God is with us. He's with you in that situation at work. He's with you in that debt that's completely overwhelming you. He's with you on that great day when you fail to look at him. He's with you during the marriage crisis. He's with you in the ordinary monotonous tasks of folding laundry and driving your kid to hockey and getting to class. And he's with you. But are we going to trust him? That's where our choice comes in. You see, God has chosen us. He has chosen to outwork his plan of redemption through humanity. Ordinary people like you and I. He has chosen to build his church. He has chosen to be with us. But will we choose him? Will we choose the discipline of trust? Even when the next step looks too big or too scary or too uncertain. Even when you don't know every single detail. Hello. Anyone? Anyone? Even when you would feel much more comfortable just staying in seven nights a week and just watching whatever on TV or, or doing whatever and, uh, because you're stressed out and you're tired from not being able to say no to anyone around you. Are you willing to say yes to Jesus at all costs under any circumstances and trust that he will be with you just as he was with Joshua, just as he promises he will be? We need to discipline ourselves to actually trust God. And as we do that, we will begin to be able to point to areas of our lives where he is at work, where we can see him evidenced, and then trust grows. You see, trust is something that's actually built. Trust is built. And we have a rock where we can build our trust on, that we can build our lives on. But how do we build it? You know, Matthew 7:24 says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Now look at this. Just watch this. We need the discipline of study. Anyone who listens to my teaching, the discipline of study. We need the discipline of action and follows it. Anyone who listens to my teaching, we need to study it. Anyone who follows it, we need to actually act. We need to actually follow. Build. That's how we build our trust. They build their house on a solid rock. We need to make sure that we are studying. We need to make sure that we are acting. But we also need to make sure that we are building our trust. And recognize that when we build on Christ, we actually have the ability to trust Him fully it's a solid place. Yes, winds are going to come. Yes, trouble is going to come. Yes, difficulty is going to come. But we are building it on a solid rock. And the more we do this, the more trust is built. You might not be able to trust anybody. You might have had trust shattered in your life. You might be in a position where trust is one of the hardest things for you to actually act out on. But the more we look in scripture, the more we study, the more we follow his teachings, the more we see that God is actually faithful, that he doesn't fall apart that he doesn't fail us like other people do that he doesn't fail us and leave us and and throw us to the side and break our confidence and all of these things he's faithful we can see it through many other people so we don't need to count ourselves out of that God has a plan and a purpose for you but it's through this discipline of study it's through this discipline of action that we're able to actually have the discipline of trust and build it on the rock which is Jesus Christ see if we're going to be effective as Christians we cannot lack discipline Know yourself. Talk to God about this. It's not about setting a standard of what this looks like. It might mean five minutes of reading your Bible every day. It mean one verse a day. It might mean doing a, a more intense Bible study. It might mean joining a team and actually acting that out and, and maybe actually going to that connect group that you're signed up for. It might look like that, that that's your next action. It might be something way more than that. Talk to God about it. Ask him. It's not about a prescription. It's actually about having this top of mind. And out of discipline is where depth happens. This is how we love God and love others the way we're called to. I just want to show you this really practically here as we close right now. And I love when the keys come up. I love the, the piano. I love the keys. How long have you been playing? How many years? That's a long time. Ten years. And would you say that you, you've practiced, you put some hours in to being able to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet more than what that nod actually actually brings out. It sounds good. It sets an atmosphere in this place. That's why we actually have keys come up. It actually allows us, it's not just because it's nice. It is nice. Nice to have you up here. It's kind of lonely a minute ago. It's kind of nice that you're here with me. But it's, it's not just for that. It's actually to bring us back as we close a message. It's to bring us back in this space to actually... Allow us to be present and open to what God is saying to our hearts, to bring us back from thinking about dinner next week or whatever might our, our minds might wander to, and actually say, "Okay, God, like, what are you saying to me? What's happening right now?" And actually sets uh, a space and atmosphere. It's great. I love it. But I wonder, you know, I I I did play piano a little bit growing up, uh, a couple of years of piano lessons. So I wonder, you know, if I come back here, I'm just going to take over for a second, if that's okay. I I'll, I'll go here. That looks like the middle. That feels good. And uh you know, I know a couple of little songs like You know that? That was, that was the right one. It's a little it's a little, you go ahead. You play again. You take a turn. That's nice. It sounded a little bit different when I played it. Than when you play it. Can I go again? Can I have another turn? I mean, when I play it, it sounds good, but it sounds very different. It sounds very Can we agree on that? It sounds a little bit hollow when I play it. It doesn't sound as filled out. It's not really the same atmosphere at all when I'm playing it compared to when Scott's playing it. It's a, it's a totally different thing. Now you go ahead and play it again. You know, this is, this is what it sounds like to have a life of Christian discipline. That's what it sounds like. We were both playing keys. I was also playing piano, so to speak. But it sounds very different for someone that's been playing for 10 years and has had countless hours of discipline in his life and has actually practiced and put it into practice than it does for someone who's just taken a few lessons and comes in and tries to play. I can feel strong and I can feel courageous. I can muster that. I can muster up the desire to play piano but if I'm not going to be disciplined there's no way I'm ever going to sound like Scott does. I'm never going to create an atmosphere like Scott does when he plays keys but you know there's something even more than that because if, if Jason didn't show up at the back with that soundboard and actually plug this in It wouldn't even actually matter. Jason, could you turn the keys right down? Is that possible? So Scott's still playing. And he still has 10 years of experience. And he still spent hours and hours and hours practicing. And he's hitting all of the keys. He had the discipline of study. He had the discipline of action. But if Jason doesn't show up at the soundboard, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't set the atmosphere. It doesn't actually do anything for us because none of us can actually hear it. You can turn him back up, Jason. What actually matters is that God shows up and actually comes into our situation. And when we start to see this work together, when we start to see our diligence of acting it out, when we start to see our diligence and our dedication to actually studying, but when we start to trust God, We are disciplined in trusting God and plugging in to what He has for us and actually hooking ourselves up with God and trusting Him. That's when everything changes. That's when everything shifts. That's when we actually can take the next step into what God has for us and the plans that He has for us, whether they are massive things in this place, which they might be, or whether they are very small things of going, how can I pray more? What does it look like to actually be full of gratitude instead of complaining? What does it... It's the discipline of actually studying, the discipline of acting, but then the discipline of trusting God. Let's stand in this. Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory at slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.